From LPL Financial, welcome to Market Signals. I'm your host, Ryan Dietrich. This quarter has just exceeded, I think, probably all optimistic forecasts out there. Yeah, we could end up at maybe four or five percent earnings growth when all the reports are in. We're already tracking up two percent. Um, and if you go back to the start of the fourth quarter, expectations were around negative 10%. So really, it's an upside surprise all across the board, no matter how you look at it. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the latest LPL Market Signals podcast. Ryan Dietrich here, Jeff Bookbinder on the line as well. I don't know, Jeff, where do we want to start? Oh, that's right. Maybe let's start with the Super Bowl. Let's just get it out there and get it out of the way. You are the world's biggest Chiefs fan. So I'm proud of you for coming in to work today. <laughs> I guess coming in as in, you know, virtual like we're doing anymore. How you feeling this morning? Yeah, you know what? Uh, I'm doing okay, Ryan. Uh, it, it was never a game. It was over early. So maybe that made it a little bit uh, easier to take as a uh, lifelong Chiefs fan. Yeah, that's, that's, um, that's tough. I guess you got one last year, and I did see a tweet from your quarterback, QB1, who said something along the lines of, thank you, Chief Nation, but we'll be back. And you have to think. With him at quarterback, obviously had an off night. The whole team did, like you said, um, that they'll probably be back. I will say on the YouTube channel right now, we are sharing a image of QB1, and that would be Tom Brady, his picture from the um, Combine. <laughs> if you haven't seen it, you can find it. You would never in a thousand years think that guy right there would have played in 10 Super Bowls and won seven of them. I, I don't know. Maybe it's just my opinion, but he was a six-round pick for a reason, but pretty, pretty amazing. Now, Jeff, I'm going to get you in trouble with this one. You didn't see this one coming. Is the proof that Brady just leaves, goes, wins another Super Bowl with a whole other team, a whole other city, a whole other stadium. Maybe Belichick isn't as great as we all thought he was. Was he just kind of riding Brady's coattails? Again, I said, I'm going to get you in trouble. What's your opinion there? Because I'll just straight up say it. I think he's a great coach, but yes, he absolutely hit the lotto and rode, you know, one of the greatest quarterbacks ever. It's kind of like Phil Jackson. I said, man, I could coach Scottie Pippen and Michael Jordan or Kobe and Shaq and win a couple championships. So I think, you know, he might have lucked out a little. He's still a good coach. What's your take? Because you're up there in Boston. What's the vibe there? Yeah, I think. Um... I think this is extra special for Brady to yeah. do it with without Bill. But, mm -hmm. um, you know, Brady doesn't coach the defense. He doesn't mm -hmm. play defense. So I think, um, you know, even though Belichick's not generally not well-liked uh, throughout the league, I think he, he deserves some credit for building those teams and, um, you know, putting a defense with Brady that could win uh, uh, all those Super Bowls. I, I do think most people around here in Boston generally were rooting for Brady, they're 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 happy about this. I think people like Brady more than they like Belichick. Yeah, well, it makes sense. So, so let's the, the, we kind of hinted at this last week, and we'll just touch on this very quickly. Um, but the three things we wanted to talk about this week in this week's podcast: a little bit on the Super Bowl indicator, a playful thing, don't invest on it. Uh, secondly, we have some upgrades to discuss. Jeff will kind of focus on that, um, our economic views and our market forecasts have both been upgraded. We'll discuss that in good detail here coming up. Then, kind of a macro update, kind of where we see earnings and fiscal policy and kind of everything that's been taking place. But I'll, I'll, I'll focus on this one. Jeff, and again, then you can have the next subject, the upgrades. You know, the Super Bowl indicator, do not invest in this. But simply put, stocks do better when the NFC wins. Um, you can, if you watch along on YouTube, 10% on average, over 10% when the NFC teams win for the full year on the S&P 500, and about 7% or so when you have the AFC win the uh, big game. An average, uh, the percent positive, about 79% of the time higher. 
for the S&P on the year when the NFC is higher and about only two-thirds of the time when the AFC is higher. Now, recently, stocks have done just fine when the AFC is won, probably because this is honestly totally random. And over time, it should probably come out to about average, but still kind of interesting. Um, let's see. So before last night, so the NFC won. So that'd be the 29th Super Bowl for the NFC and the 26th Super Bowl uh, for the AFC. But let's focus on Tom Brady for a second. Um, historically, when Tom's been in the big game, the other nine times, S&P is pretty much flat for the year. Where it gets interesting, though, things get way worse when he loses, down 10% on average when he's lost. I was only lost three times. Um, but nonetheless, um, things do a little bit worse when he loses. So, you know, the, maybe you can say we had the best scenario, right? Tom Brady didn't lose in the NFC one. And there you go. It's um, a perfect segue for why we're upgrading our view in equities. No, we're not doing it because of this. But it doesn't hurt, I guess. So, Jeff, you know, um, Let's let's go there. You know, we upgraded our view on GDP and and um, the S and P five hundred targets. There's a lot to discuss here to dig in, but I'll I'll let you kind of uh, take the reins here. I'll chime in a little bit. However, you want to start this conversation, but it's a good one. Yeah, just just glad to move past the uh, Super Bowl <laughs> discussion. Although it was there nice of go. the nice of the Chiefs to help the stock market by uh, laying an egg. So um, yeah, so today we're raising our uh, economic growth forecasts as well as our forecasts for earnings and the S&P 500. Um, so we'll start with GDP. Uh, you know, when we first came out with our 2021 forecasts, it was early December. Uh, we did not anticipate uh, the democratic sweep, did not expect that stimulus to come through uh, as quickly or as aggressively. Remember, we got that December uh, stimulus package, 900 billion uh, or thereabouts um, that came pretty fast. And then, you know, this next one's probably going to be a good bit bigger than that. Uh, the Democrats, it looks like, are going to move forward on that without Republican votes. And potentially in the next, call it six, eight weeks, we'll have another package, uh, a big one. So that that's really uh, the main reason why we're raising our forecasts for uh, U.S. GDP in particular, up one point from four to four and a half percent to five to a five and a half percent. That little bit flows through to emerging markets and global. So we're raising those forecasts as well. Really, the stimulus is the biggest reason here, uh, but we would also point to the tremendous progress since early December uh, in um, you know, ending the pandemic. It's, it's, it's clearly not over. We, you know, we know there's still way too many cases. Uh, there's Still um, restrictions on activity, uh, as we all know, uh, but the progress with these vaccines, you know, a million three shots uh, every day going into people's arms, and that number is only going to increase going forward. Uh, so that certainly suggests a lot of progress being made. And then you've got, you know, better, better weather coming. And, uh, you know, in the next three, four months, things are going to look a lot, lot better. So that, that's really, it's two, there's two pieces to this. Uh, but really, the, the stimulus um, is the big one. So let's go to next to the um, uh, to earnings and uh, the S&P 500 target. If you, if you want to go there now, Ryan, we, um, we're not changing our yield forecasts. Um, for those watching on YouTube, that forecast is still 1.25 to 1.75. Uh, taking our 2021 earnings forecast for the S&P 500 up from 165 to 170. Uh, and then that better earnings, which is in part because of better economic growth. Uh, it's also a, a response to just an incredible earnings season uh, so far uh, for the fourth quarter. 
then that flows through to um, a higher valuation, we think, for the S&P 500. So we're raising our S&P 500 forecast about 200 points, uh, 3850 to 3900 to 4050 to 4100. That's about five or six percent above where we are now. So not huge upside, but we actually think these uh, forecasts are um, very achievable. Uh, that new forecast for the S&P uh, is based on a price to earnings ratio of 21, which is about where we've been uh, recently. And we think pretty reasonable given interest rates are still low. And then in, um, in terms of earnings, we're basing that off of a 2022 earnings forecast of $195 a share. So you're talking about potentially 25% earnings growth this year and then another maybe 15% next year. Uh, the outlook for earnings is, is really, really strong here, Ryan. Uh, absolutely. So Jeff, I wanna go back to us for a second on our GDP outlooks. And we hiked the US up one full percentage point. You know, we've been saying for a while on LPL market uh, signals that we like US still. But most of the growth of the world is coming from emerging markets, or at least a lot of the solid growth is coming from there. We upgraded, the, like I said, EM from 5%, between a range between 5 and 5.5% 5 .5 to 5 and a quarter to 575. So a little bit there in emerging markets. Um, but I think it's just fascinating at how much the U.S. is catching up, right? We've said the, the EM is the part of the globe that really got through COVID quicker. Uh, they're, they're obviously growing faster, uh, but now the U.S. is really, really playing catch up. And I, you know, so much of it, I think, is earnings. Oh, we're going to go a little bit more into earnings in a little bit later with the earnings dashboards um, as we discuss that. But still, it, it's truly, truly amazing. Um, I mean, Jeff, you know, we didn't upgrade, let's play devil's advocate for a second. So we didn't upgrade emerging markets much, only a quarter basis point, um, you know, on the GDP. But you still think a lot of the growth for the globe is coming from that part of the world. You know, talk a little bit more about why we still like emerging markets from that point of view, even though we didn't upgrade it as much on a relative basis to the U.S. here. Yeah, well, you know, if you go back to December when we initiated this forecast, China was already well past the pandemic and their economy was fully reopened. They had recovered all the economic growth that they had lost uh, early in, in, in 2020. So there really wasn't much more to gain, but you still have stronger growth in the emerging markets. And this is largely, uh, you know, China, um, and then, you know, some Korea, some Taiwan, uh, some Malaysia, a little bit of Latin America, but it's mostly uh, Southeast Asia. Uh, broadly, those areas of the world have done a, a really good job of uh, containing the pandemic and, and in most cases moving uh, completely past it. So you get better growth in emerging markets. Uh, those markets are very technology oriented. Uh, that's certainly helping. We think, you know, those two factors um, uh, should help. Uh, investments in, in that region. Then if you get a little bit more dollar weakness, which we think we'll get, uh, that can help international investments as well. Absolutely, and there's no question about it. I, I just saw some headlines this morning about an overall chip shortage globally. I mean, these semiconductors, these chips are just, as people come back online or continue to gobble them up and technology continues to do amazing. And like you said, that's a big, big part of emerging markets. So Jeff, on the forecast, let's maybe let's talk about fiscal, when we talk about fiscal, let's talk about monetary policy for a second. So. You know, the Fed is not going anywhere. I, mean, I think it's safe to say the Fed is keeping rates low. They're still there. They probably got a couple, you know, getting cliche, a couple bullets in the chamber. But just yesterday on Sunday, we record this on Monday, on Sunday, Janet Yellen, the former um, Fed chairperson, was making the rounds. And she was saying, 
And now she wasn't quite as worried about inflation. Right? Larry Summers and some other people have been talking about potentially all the stimulus, maybe a little bit of inflation problem. She says she doesn't see it. We have to continue to help um, you know, the, the employment backdrop. Right? We saw some disappointing employment data on Friday from the monthly jobs number. Great services numbers, great manufacturing numbers, awesome earnings numbers. But employment continues to be that issue, and she's aware of that. So it's kind of, I hate to say Goldilocks, but it feels like it was parts of the economy are really coming back online. We see 5% GDP growth in the U.S. Honestly, maybe it could be a little higher when all is said and done. And we got all this stimulus coming. I mean, does it almost feel too good to be true? And now we're actually upgrading our <laughs> upgrading our views as well. So all these positive things. What's your thoughts there on things are just too perfect? Yeah, at, at some point, uh, the market will realize that it has priced in a little bit too optimistic of an outlook. But we think we're a ways off from that, right? Uh, you know, we're not going to get tax hikes for quite some time, it appears. Uh, and, you know, we think if we're right, we're not going to get a big move higher in interest rates uh, anytime soon. We're, we're, you know, we've moved gradually off the bottom, uh, probably continue to go higher, as you saw with our forecast for the 10 year. But we don't think we're going to get spikes. So that's really how you pay for all the stimulus, right? You pay for it through either tax increases or sharply higher interest rates. I guess, and, and inflation would be uh, come along with those higher interest rates, right? So yeah, we're not gonna have to pay the piper for a while. So for now, um, the outlook looks really good as we move through the year, later in the year. And, and this is probably a reason why we don't have a more aggressive forecast for the S&P 500. We've seen plenty of forecasts that are higher than this one, right? Is because later in the year, the market might get a little bit more worried about yields and a little bit more worried about inflation. Oh, absolutely. You know, what did Humphrey Neal say? He said, you know, don't confuse brains for a bull market is what it, what he said. And it's like, you know, it's as simple as, listen, stocks are going higher globally. This isn't just a U.S. theme. You mentioned the 10-year yield, and we did leave our 10-year yield target um, exactly where it was. But still, you've got 10-year yields breaking out of Australia, breaking out of Japan, breaking out of Germany, breaking out of the United States. I mean, there are, and again, keep this simple, higher trending yields, in our opinion, without a massive inflation boost, likely suggest a better economy is coming. And a lot of this is um, is playing out. I mean, those industrial metals, something we've talked a lot about, nickel, zinc, steel, uh, silver, which has industrial metal components as well. Those are really strong as well. And yes, Asia and China gobble up a lot of those as they come back online. But these are all, again, positive things that say, you know, th this new cycle of growth could have some length and life to it. You know, let's not forget this um, new bull market, I guess we call it, is almost, isn't it crazy? Almost a year ago, right? March 23rd. I know we're not quite there yet. But most bull markets last a couple of years. You know, the average about five years, actually, if you go back to World War II. Now, who knows if we're going to get there or not. Um, but, you know, these cycles can continue for quite some time with all the stimulus. It's just something to be very, very, um, very aware of. So, Jeff, maybe before we go further, we kind of hinted at, you know, um, maybe everything's too perfect. What are, what are the things that keep you up at night? Because we're talking about every, how great everything is. Let's, let's, and again, we think things are good. And we've been in a bull market case for a while if you listen to this podcast. But let's share, you know, what's your biggest worry, you think, you know, say the next six months or so from an investment's point of view? Well, yeah, if you, if you say just six months, not much, mm -hmm. to be honest. I think in a year, you could worry more yeah, about good point. tax Let's increase. say a year then. Yeah, okay, there, there you go. go. I, I walked right go. into that one. So yeah. in a year, you could worry about tax increases, right? And the, um, you know, to pay for the next round of spending that's going to come out of um, uh, the White House in terms of the green energy program and infrastructure spending and all of that. 
So after we get this maybe trillion and a half um, in, in um, stimulus over the next, call it six to eight weeks, we'll, we'll move on and later after, after we get through this uh, pandemic and, and you're gonna see uh, potentially even bigger numbers. So yeah, later in the year, people worried about, or will be worried we think more uh, about how we're gonna pay for all of this uh, with the tax increases, higher interest rates, inflation. So that, that's really where I'm most concerned. Um, the regulatory uh, threats are there too, something to be aware of, uh, but probably not of much concern uh, in the near term and, and not enough to stop this bull market, not enough to stop this economic expansion. Uh, and the last thing I'd mention is just US-China tensions. You know, Clearly the Biden administration is gonna continue to be uh, tough on China. They'll get maybe a little easier and a little less combative uh, than the Trump administration, but still, um, they'll be tough on China, and so we could see a flare up there, uh, you know, related to just a whole host of issues uh, that have um, caused some tensions over the past uh, couple of years. Yeah, you know, we've said before, you know, one of the few places that Washington on the left and right agrees is being tough on China. We were saying that a year ago. We've seen some some tough rhetoric from the left uh, regarding China as well. And we're still seeing that. Janet Yellen just last week gave some pretty tough comments about China, saying, "Listen, don't expect a continued strong dollar policy. Likely a weak dollar policy is what um, Janet Yellen said to uh, China in a nutshell." There, but so, so so my personal worry is is it feels like everyone's pretty optimistic all of a sudden. And we're still optimistic, so I don't want to make it sound like we're not, but it's getting a little crowded. Just a couple interesting stats I saw. Jason Gepford over at Cinnamon Trader said the short interest on the median S&P 500 stock at a 17-year low. Remember last week, we focused a lot on GameStop and all those shorts that are out there. We saw all these shorts and these hedge funds that are out there trying to profit from things that go lower. That is true. It's out there. But to think that everything is short is not the case at all. In fact, short interest were in adjacent data, a uh, 17-year low in the median S&P 500 stock. Margin debt is an all-time record. We've talked about margin debt before that you have to say, you know, <laughs> the stock market's worth a lot more too. So of course, margin debt goes up as a stock market. But still, we've seen a pretty big jump in margin debt, which could be a sign of people getting too excited, going to margin, buying stocks. I've given the story before back in 1999, I got the stock market bug. That's the same university. I remember cutting classes, watching, watching like, you know, CNBC. They mentioned the word Sycamore Networks or Juniper or Lucent, and they'd go up. And I'd buy them, they'd go, I was on margin out the wazoo, and then everything crashed, lost it all. It was a really good experience. It was devastating. It was a really positive experience because I realized leverage can work both ways, and stock markets do not care about my feelings one bit at all. I learned that a long time ago, and it's um, something I think a lot of people probably learned with GameStop. GameStop lost 80% last week and a lot of the other stocks did as well. Um, so margin can work both ways there. Um, overall, NYSE short interest is at a 10-year low. Um, equity put the call ratios near a 20-year low. Goldman Sachs had a study that said their hedge fund long short ratio is the highest it's been since 2011. So hedge funds are the most net long. Um, so again, there's more. You know, I'm not trying to be super, super bearish here, but I'm just saying it feels a little lopsided to me with a lot of excitement. And I'm not saying we're a contrarian indicator with us upgrading our views, but you know, nonetheless, like, oh, okay. You know, but still 12 months from now, there's a lot of reasons to continue to think, six to 12 months from now, a lot of reasons to continue to think this bull market, you know, it's alive and well, but it just feels a little lopsided. So that's kind of what worries me a little bit. But Jeff, I think we've got maybe five minutes or so here um, let's kind of do a little macro roundup. Uh, last week, we had some economic data and some really strong earnings. I know we had some great economic data from manufacturing, not just in the U.S., but globally. You want to tackle uh, that and kind of what it means going forward? 
Yeah. So you talked a little bit about how, um, you know, with yields rising, Ryan, it's not a, just a U.S. phenomenon. Well, same thing for manufacturing, right? The, the globe is seeing a really steady, uh, solid rebound in manufacturing activity. Of course, it's easier to manufacture uh, than it is to support a services business uh, right now uh, where, you know, th that's just tougher in a socially distant world. But um, manufacturing is really strong. We've had um, the uh, global manufacturing PMI above 50, which is expansionary for seven straight months. And it's not just above 50, it's 53.5 is, is a really strong number. That's a multi-year high. Uh, so um, again, not just US, US is doing really well uh, coming out of this hole, but um, uh, the globe is as well. So this is a really, this is coordinated global expansion that should bode well for global equities, uh, not just US. Uh, absolutely. We saw, and then market with an eye, their manufacturing data in the U.S. was at an all-time high. We had services number come in last week that was really strong as well. So, you know, Jeff, I know we talked about before, but manufacturing matters a lot for earnings. We'll talk about earnings next. Maybe it's a good segue. Kind of tell us how that works and why that is, you think. Sure. Uh, so, you know, an easy example of that is consumer spending is about 70% of GDP. Right, about 70% of the economy, but consumer discretionary earnings, and you can add consumer staples earnings, are not even a quarter of the S&P 500. Right? So you've got more companies in the S&P 500 making stuff and yep. selling it all over the world uh, than you have in terms of the um, uh, broad economy. Another big difference is, um, yes, S&P 500 sells a lot of stuff overseas, about 40%, but the US economy in terms of GDP is very, has a very low amount of um, you know, international in it, right? It's just basically trade, which is you know, at most like 15%. So um, that's another big difference between the economy and the S&P 500. The S&P 500 is more about making stuff and selling it all over the world. Let's talk about earnings, Jeff, and kind of wrap things up now. So fourth quarter earnings, it feels like every week you and I do a little bit of an earnings update, mainly you, I listen. Um, our listeners listen as well, so thanks for that. Speaking of our listeners, thank you again to everybody who continues to listen to this podcast. We we're hitting you know, more and more views, more and more uh, positive reviews on our on our Facebook, on our Facebook, sorry, wrong word, on our um, iTunes channel. So please feel free and give us a positive review, a like, a follow. It really goes a long way. We, we greatly appreciate it. Um, but Jeff, Earnings in general this quarter just continue to get better every single week. Now we're looking at like positive earnings growth in the fourth quarter. That was a crazy idea this time, say, I don't know, six weeks ago. You want to give a quick earnings update on how uh, how great things are looking now? Yeah, even I didn't expect Q4 earnings to grow. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I'm one of the optimists on, on earnings, yeah. I, I would say, in general. So th this quarter has just exceeded, I think, probably all optimistic forecasts out there. Um, you know, we could end up at maybe four or 5% earnings growth when all the reports are in, we're already tracking up 2%. Um, and if you go back to the start of the fourth quarter on October 1st, expectations were around, uh, negative 10%. So the upside here is, is huge, even though expectations, um, were raised over the past two quarters, right? It, it was clear when Q3 was reported Actually, it was clear when Q2 was reported and Q3 was reported that analyst estimates were too low. Figure they'd catch up by now. They still haven't caught up. 
right? The, the efficiency of corporate America, the cost savings they've generated during this pandemic and the impressive revenue exposure, we're gonna see rep, or revenue performance, we're gonna see probably um, you know, something close to 3% revenue growth when all the numbers are in. Um, so really it's an upside surprise all across the board, no matter how you look at it. Yeah, I mean, you're looking at probably 80% of companies beating on earnings estimates. That'd be the third quarter in a row. That's never happened before. Um, you know, the, the numbers that we saw from companies like Google and Amazon last week, which are obviously some of the largest in the world. I mean, they beat by just historic margins and, and how well those companies are doing in a pandemic driven world is amazing. And that's again, why so much of the earnings have gone up so much over the past week or so. But Jeff, as earnings season winds down here, um, I've always said it kind of, once you start seeing the retailers, I guess it's kind of with like Walmart, for instance, it's kind of at the end. I mean, we're still a little ways away from that though, right? How many more companies are there set to report, you think? Yeah, um, we're only about 60% done. So there's a couple okay. a couple hundred more S&P 500 companies to go. You know, for those of you looking at the uh, presentation on YouTube, these numbers, actually, these are two weeks old now. Um, and uh, it just points to how big the upside surprise was because I'm looking at these numbers, uh, you know, from late January and, and they're not even close to right. That's <laughs> right. It's been, been really, really strong. It's tougher to move the needle later because you don't have as many big companies, right? You don't have the fang names moving these numbers, but you got some decent sized companies coming, certainly uh, in consumer areas that you mentioned, Ryan, um, but a lot of industrial companies as well, um, broadly natural resource companies, healthcare companies. So it's, you know, we could end up at four or 5% earnings growth when all is said and done, which is really remarkable. Oh, that absolutely is. So, Jeff, we're, we're pretty much at the end of the road. Anything on your uh, radar this week that investors should be paying attention to? I think things really calmed down this week, which is nice. Super Bowl's out of the way. Earnings season's kind of winding down. But what do you? What should we pay attention to this week? Yeah, we get some more um, jobs data, the job opening labor turnover report, which is interesting. You know that we've had a real soft patch in jobs, so that'll be interesting. Small business sentiment from the NFIB. Uh, small companies have been hurt harder by the pandemic. And so we'd really like to see more optimism out of that group, which could signal uh, more spending ahead. I think those are probably the most interesting to me. We also get CPI inflation. I, frankly, uh, inflation really doesn't matter all that much right now. It'll matter in the future, but um, I don't think people should be um, paying too much attention to the CPI report uh, that I believe is out uh, Wednesday. Yeah, yeah, I believe so too. All right. Well, Jeff, thank you very much for those comments. Thank you again to everyone who continues to listen to this podcast. Uh, thank you to Neil, who helps us uh, make it look really good when it's all said and done. So thanks, Neil. And with all that, we'll just see everybody next week. Um, and let's see. So there is a holiday next week, President's Day. So our plan here is to record it on Friday. And hopefully we can still post it on Monday like normal, but maybe it'll be a day late next week. But nonetheless, we're still doing it, even though there's no... Uh, Hopefully a lot of you get Monday off. Everybody enjoy a three-day weekend. I think that'd be that'd be nice. But and again, congrats to Tampa and Tom Brady on another Super Bowl victory. Just truly, truly amazing. And I mean, I'm he's older than I am. <laughs> I I've been trying to work out a lot more, but nonetheless, it's like, oh my goodness, he magic went out there doing that stuff, yelling at well, he yells at those guys and stuff. He is up. He's fiery, but that's why he's the goat, I guess. So again, thanks everybody for being here. We'll be back next week. Enjoy the long weekend if you get it. See you then. Bye bye. This material was provided by LPL Financial. 
is for general information only and is not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. There is no assurance that the views or strategies discussed are suitable for all investors or will yield positive outcomes. Investing involves risks, including possible loss of principal. Any economic forecasts set forth in the podcast may not develop as predicted and are subject to change. References to markets, asset classes, and sectors are generally regarding the corresponding market index. All indexes are unmanaged and cannot be invested into directly. Index performance is not indicative of the performance of any investment. All performance reference is historical and it's no guarantee of future results. All information referenced in the podcast is believed to be from reliable sources. However, we make no representation as to its completeness or accuracy. Securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor and broker-dealer. Member FINRA and SIPC. Insurance products are offered through LPL or its licensed affiliates. To the extent you are receiving investment advice from a separately registered investment advisor that is not an LPL affiliate, please note LPL makes no representation with respect to such entity. If your financial professional is located at a bank or credit union, please note that the bank or credit union is not registered as a broker-dealer or investment advisor. These products and services are being offered through LPL or its affiliates which are separate entities from and not affiliates of the bank or credit union. Securities and insurance offered through LPL or its affiliates are not insured by the FDIC or NCUA or any government agency. Not bank or credit union guaranteed, not bank or credit union deposits or obligations, and may lose value.